0: This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin, with support from New Zealand On Air. Nothing can replace the pleasure of turning the pages of the printed book. Join us now as we explore our city's rich literary heritage, talking with people who are passionate about the printed word and celebrating the Dunedin Athenaeum and Mechanics Institute's fascinating local history. Welcome to Wireless Books.
1: Welcome everyone and welcome Christine to another edition of Wireless Books. We are in the lovely little studios of Otago Access Radio and we're here for and on behalf of Dunedin's oldest institution, the Athenaeum and Mechanics Institute, a lovely little library for the whole of Dunedin and environs to enjoy. Mm. And the octagon, beautifully placed by the cafes and bars, very convenient.
2: Yes, that's that's what they set it up for. I thought so. Now, Beth has informed me that she hasn't read any books, so she hasn't isn't returning any books. And I told her that I have a book here that she's going to be desperate to have, and so she's agreed to pay me a dollar. Keep
1: my wallet out now. It'll be
2: worth it. It is. A merger is announced by Agatha Christie. <laughs> yeah, she's scrambling for that money. Now, recently I, I went and looked at, I wrote down a big list of all the Agatha Christie's. Excuse me, listeners,
1: or Christine's family, this is the sound of being paid. Done.
2: Thank you very much and you can have that in just a moment when I finish talking, <laughs> gas-bagging about it. So um, Agatha Christie, of course, is still very popular, and we do have a lot of Agatha Christie's. But I went through and wrote down every Agatha Christie, and I then went back and looked through our collection. And so we don't have them all. We have we probably have about two-thirds. Uh, didn't she write, was it, I'm sure I'm wrong, 63 oh, books? Oh, well, probably close to that. I didn't I didn't bother to top them up. But anyway, I... So top them up. Oh, you wee, top. <laughs> <laughs> so I made a list of everything, and then I went back and checked which ones we had, and then I worked out the ones that we had that are not in good condition. And so I have this very large list, and a murder is announced. It's actually one that we didn't have. And so I've got this very nice hard-backed copy. Oh. And it is it's very it's very nice. So it's a miss, it's a Miss Marple mystery, so I I like them the best. So I, I snapped it up. So slowly, bit by bit, I'm just um, adding. It Add into the collection. Yes, adding more ones that we don't have, and then mm. in time, replacing the ratty old ones with the nice new ones because I think she's worth it. Oh, she is. The lovely thing about. And I've never read um, A Murderer's
1: Announced. I love, of course, the television movie adaptations. Mm. But the lovely thing about the books. Of the adaptations is often um, they've quite different plots and endings, mm. which is lovely. Yes. So I can't wait to read um, this book that you very kindly only charged me one dollar for for the next month. And um, I'm very looking forward to seeing how it differs from the adaptation because I just, that is one of my favourite. Mm. Um, Christie adaptations to television as a murder is
2: announced. You no, know, I don't know that I've ever seen oh, it. Oh, you'd love it. And I, I, I'm sure I, I saw most of them because I, I loved the Joan Hickman and uh, Miss Marple ones. Yeah, this, very hard to find and watch the Marples
1: with um, Joan Hickman in it. Mainly it is wonderful Geraldine McEwan and even um, oh Gosh, your name just escapes me. But she used to be in Fresh Fields.
0: Mm.
1: Um, oh, yes, I know the one. Oh, Julia Mackenzie. Yeah. She's really great too. But I've never seen a Margaret Rutherford. I've searched and searched and I haven't have been able to see a full one because I've heard so much about mm-hmm. her and how she sort of spoofed
2: Miss Marple. Mm, it was very amusing. But I would have loved to have seen it. But she wasn't really Miss Marple of the books. She no. too too forthright and... Um, and forceful, but mm. um, once again, I, I read this hmm, a long, long time ago when I was younger, and rereading it, sort of, I started to—I don't know if I worked it out or if I vaguely remembered what what it mm. was, but I did. I sort of clicked and worked out what it was, but it didn't diminish my enjoyment of it. And even though I thought, oh. I think it's that person, but 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 because she had just covered her tracks so carefully, so it took me. So I probably halfway through I thought, oh, I think it's that person, but wait a minute, how can she? How could they have done that? Mm -hmm. I just it took. I did work it out in the end, but I had to keep stopping and using using my little grey cells, which really was quite painful, but I managed Wrong it.
1: Wrong detective, but yeah, I get, get you. Yeah, very good. Um, I've just joined, and it's on Facebook, but the Agatha Christie Appreciation Society. <laughs> it, but it's really good because people are rediscovering or Just discovering her work now, and now I'd forgotten all about the book Endless Night. Mm. Now, that has um, the readers of and lovers of Agatha Christie are very divided about that novel. Some say, Oh, no, it's terrible, it's awful, it's so depressing from start to finish. But other people say, Oh, it's just look, it's her later work, but it is just nearly as good. As Roger Ackroyd. Mm. So that actually made me, um, well, listen to it on an audio book because I couldn't get the book. And I thought, oh, God, what a great... It was really great. It was much in the line with the murder of Roger a- Ackroyd, but just um, really good plot. Um, and you sort of knew what, what it was, what was going mm. to happen, but it didn't diminish the language or... The well, the joy of it all, but and it, yeah, it was, yeah, it was depressing, a horrible dark side of human nature,
2: but very well, clever, loved know, it. I think murders do tend to be a bit that way anyway, oh, true. but yeah, because I, I must have read them or most of them when I was in my late teens, 20s, and and I enjoyed them and sort of gobbled them up like lovely chocolates, mm. but now that I'm coming back and reading them. I'm actually surprised at what a good writer she actually is, and I always thought that she had quite a plain style, but now I, I think there's actually a lot more to it, and and she's very clever at, at setting it at a time, this one is set after the, war, the Second World War, but It's still a time of rationing. Things are very tight, and people are still struggling in a lot of ways. And they're bemoaning how things, how even the English village has changed. And and at one stage, everybody in the village had been there for generations and generations, and Mm. and an incomer would stand out like a sore thumb. Mm. Now, Everyone seems mm. to be an incomer. And, and you only know of them what they tell you. And what they tell you isn't necessarily the truth. Mm. And I th- I think, too, it's
1: the same as the mirror cracked from side to side. Of course, she was writing in a time of great change between wars, mm. after the war. And, of course, in that one, the villagers were bemoaning the new estate yes. that was being Built yes. all those lovely fields had been and ravaged that was and brilliant new.
2: writing with, with Miss Marple mm. going into the new estate yes. and, and thinking time has changed her by. But then she she met some young people and she realised actually the surroundings may be different but people, people are the same. same. Yeah. Mm. And and that's really how she solves all her crimes, mm. isn't it? Mm. I'm still holding on to this book oh and, God, and God I'm gonna take my dollar back in a minute. Thank <laughs> you. Most appreciated, yes. I think you'll really enjoy that. Um, I, I really, I really enjoyed it. Yes. Now I've got the latest Karen Slaughter, which is um, oh, I like Karen Slaughter. Yes. Yeah, um, I think it's top of the um, bestsellers list at the moment. It's after that night, and it's a. St- it's a character, Will Trent, as as part of it, but really it's about his his fiance, oh. who is a doctor and a very smart doctor, Sarah Linton. And fifteen years ago, she was celebrating. Um, she she got a scholarship and she was out celebrating, and this horrific event happened, and she was violently attacked. And um, it changed. It just set her life in another direction. She didn't. She never took up the scholarship because, um, well, she had to recover from the attack, and mm. and so. But she's. She's remade her life. She's a successful doctor, and she's engaged to Will Trent, and you know she feels like she's finally managed to leave the past behind her, and then one evening she's on call in the ER, and. A young woman is admitted who's been brutally attacked and it just brings back that her attack back to her because it seems so similar in so many ways and because of course um, Will Trent is a special agent with the GBI Mm -hmm. which I've got no idea what that is something very important. Maybe
1: it's it's American isn't it so it's Mm. not
2: Great Britain intelligence
1: maybe it's
2: Something Bureau of inv- uh, Investigation. Oh, General Bureau of Investigation. Yeah, that sounds about right. Giant Bureau. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> the Great Bureau. yes yeah, so, um, so because he's involved in the investigation of this young woman's attack, he starts um, tapping into her, not just her memories of her attack, but her medical knowledge. And, yeah, so it seems the past isn't going to stay buried forever. And... I've I haven't read it all, but I have read uh, a good chunk of it, and what's what's happening is just horrific. It's quite a ghastly um, crime conspiracy in a lot of ways. Now the next one I've got is the latest Joanne Harris, who is best known, of course, for chocolate. and I think people think that she's uh, just writes sort of fluffy romances and. She doesn't really. She's written some quite gritty um, books. And this is um, a departure from her as well. It's almost science fiction-y. It's about this woman. She's she's in her 50s, getting on, and she's going through the menopause and having a hard time with it. Now, when she was a young girl, she had this, you know, I think you'd call it a magical uh, power. She calls it... Um, she thinks of everybody as having a house, and you. And she was able to enter other people's houses. So in other words, she was able to go into other people's minds. And, and it ended badly, and she, she stopped doing it because it sort of blew up on her face. And she hasn't done it for years and years. But now, with the menopause, her hormones are all over the place, and she's... Very badly affected because it's set in England, and there's a park nearby where she lives, and a young woman has been, who was out jogging, has been attacked and and killed, and she f- she feels this very deeply. It's one of those sort of media um, attention things where people people keep going and leaving flowers and stuff, and yeah. and she feels this very deeply, and she starts. She starts entering other people's houses and um, and changing them. And what she's doing is she's um, going into um, violent men's minds and 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 stopping them from their their violent behaviour. And it's um it's quite a freaky um ride, and yeah, it's an interesting one. Well, it sounds like it will be a very popular book. Yeah, well, I think so. Um, yes, so yeah, it's um. I don't really want to go any into it too deeply, be, or talk and about. And I
1: think it sounds like a great idea being able to change someone's
2: well, behaviour. Well, yes, but um, I
1: know there's always a downside.
2: Well, there's, there's one guy that who is, was a creep, and she, she changed him, and um, gave him. Is it Napa? Let's see. We keep falling asleep at an appropriate mm-hmm. moment. So, and. Um, <laughs> Which is quite horrible. <laughs> and, oh, and now I've got and Yes, This is murder oh. in paradise, and it's book three, and it's um, one of the George and Molly Palmer Jones series. And and they're bird watchers, and George has actually started up his own sort of um, detective agency. You mean type they're thing. twitchers? Is that what they're called? Yeah, yeah, I think twitchers. So. Mm. Yeah, so and this is. Set in a remote island, um, one of, one of those um new Scottish islands, Kirkness, and a young, um, newlyweds, Jim and Sarah. Now Jim is from the island, and he has a, has been offered a croft, and he marries his girlfriend, Sarah, and she's never actually been to the island before. She had planned to go visit it at one stage, but her, her father got sick, and so she had to t- cancel the. Mm. So they got married, they went on honeymoon and now they've they've come back to Kirkness to, to start their life and there's a huge celebration with um, lots of cheerful festivities and then this horrible thing happens when Jim's younger sister Mary slips and tumbles to her death from the island's um, cliffs and so the whole island is present when she, Mary disappears but did she fall or was she pushed? and George Palmer Jones happens to be there and he suspects that she was pushed but proving it will be difficult given that no one wants to upset the balance of the island's ancient relationships but Sarah because she's she's an outsider, she's, she doesn't mm. know anybody or have any allegiances she helps George with his investigation and yes so he's set on a, an island with um, people who are uh, Averse to outsiders. One of one of those interesting ones. Now I've got the latest one by Johannes Johansson, who was best known for the hundred year old man who climbed out of the window and disappeared. Now he he used to be in um I think he was in advertising and he was very successful, but he said to he said to his family, I'm gonna write a book and they did write a book he did. Yeah, <laughs> and it was Incredibly successful, and he's been writing ever since. And he's the master of these shaggy dog stories, where people sort of they they wander along and they meet other people, and things Mm. happen to them, and then then they meet someone else, and something else happens, and and it always seems to be one leading you up the garden path and then back again. And and so, if you like that sort of thing, I mean. He's, he, like I say, he's the master he's of He's the it. master. Ooh. And this is uh, set in um, 2011, and a self-taught astrophysicist, Petra, has calculated that the atmosphere will collapse on the 7th of September that year. Oh, uh, Doomsday. And she even has the exact time. <laughs> well, it's, it's clever of him to set it in the past because <laughs> then we know it didn't yeah. actually happen. <laughs> yeah, true. So, armed with this terrible knowledge, she... Then meets John, a master chef, and Agnes, a widow of 65. And and Agnes has made millions living a double life on social media as a young influencer, which is an achievement. God, what a great
1: job.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh well, like everything, it's a job, and there's always days where you think, oh, I don't want to get
1: up and, and I don't want to get up people and, and have a massage and a facial and get some free Jimmy Shoe shoes or a Hermes bag
2: free. Yeah. Well, anyway, so there you go, and so they all meet up and um, and they sort each other's lives out with hilarious adventures along oh. the way. Very good. No, what a
1: great, great um, lot of books that you brought in. Lots of variety. like it, but I'm going to do a sting so you can uh, catch your breath until you get on to the
0: next most interesting um, topic. For more information on the Dunedin Athenaeum and Mechanics Institute, go to www.dunedinathenaeum.org.nz. That's Dunedin A-T-H-E-N aeum.org.nz And we're back.
2: Okay. Now I don't know if you've seen this in the news. It doesn't seem to have made the television news but it's been popping up on the internet that in the British Museum um, gold jewellery and gems of semi-precious stones from the 15th century have gone missing from um, their storerooms and have been turning up on eBay selling for significantly less than they're worth. Now, who's the stealer, stealer? Mm. Mm. Well, what was I going to say? Oh, I've forgotten it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so, oh yeah, museums are kind of like um, icebergs. So you, you see the top... 10% Ten percent of them, the things that are on display, and the rest of them are all in storage. Mm. and And these things, the things that have been missing, haven't been on display for years, and they've been basically kept kept for researchers. Okay. And they've actually, one of the curators, the guy who's in charge of of them, I think they've um, they're fired. He's been fired, and the police have been called in, but. They haven't said that he's the person that stole them or that he's benefited in any way. And um, his son has spoken up for him saying it's, it's terrible and he's devastated and, and these things were his life and he, he would never do such a thing. But I went and read an article and the British Museum seems to have quite lax security because they've had a lot of problems In the 1970s, historic coins and medals were stolen. Um, And then in 1993, thieves broke in via the roof and stole um, coins and jewellery worth a quarter of a million pounds, which is quite a lot of money. (laughs) In 2002... A two-and-a-half-thousand-year-old Greek statue, it was a marble head, was stolen by the member of the public because it was in a gallery which didn't have a permanent guard on duty. Um, they had an investigation into into that and um, decided that maybe they should have guards in all the yeah. galleries at all times. <laughs> it's like, crikey!
1: Just imagine, though, just brazenly... I mean, that would not be light. Just no. brazenly pick it up. Did he do, do put it under his jersey, under his parka? I mean... I'm sure he didn't exit the museum before he
2: was caught. No, I don't know that he was caught. I think it's still missing. Oh, what? And oh, in no. 2004... Must check my backyard. It's a bit overgrown. There might be a,
1: um, <laughs> a, Greek a marble bust. A little nice. So in
2: 2004, 15 historically important Chinese artefacts were jewels of ornate hairpins and finger nail guards had been taken by a member of the public. I don't know that they've even been found. Well, I mean, I can understand sneaking off with them
1: unseen, but a blooming great marble bust. Well, it, not,
2: it could have been a small one. Well, true. Cause it some could of, have been one you put on the piano. And mm. some of them are actually sort of about the size of a fist or a man's fist, maybe. Right. So possibly if it was something like that. If you had a big pocket, you could big stick pocket. it in your big pocket yeah, and, true. and put and it in it your handbag and limp mm, out. Mm. Or, or walk out with one side oh, lower gosh. than the other. And in 2017, it was revealed that an expensive Cartier diamond had been missing since 2011.
1: Oh, what is going
2: on so, there? So, that apparently this this has been something going on, and it's a yeah, it's a bit of a stink over there, and there's probably more to come, but. I was in England in um, 1986 or so and I went to the British Museum a lot and I never got a chance to pocket anything. I'm <laughs> quite, quite annoyed about that because I would have looked after them and be, I would have flung oh. them on eBay. But fancy
1: putting those things on eBay as if someone wouldn't really... Well, probably. Know. they. I mean, what? Uh, don't they do inventories... Well they
2: they should do but this, they've got so, so, much, much. so yeah, much I know. but still if they've got too much they should give it away But s- some of that jewellery is beautiful but because it's gold and it's quite flamboyant it can look like costume jewellery mm. so maybe somebody flinched it and gave it to somebody and they thought it was costume jewellery and then they put it on because they put it on ABA for like 50 pounds or something or some ridiculous Well
1: one. I'm sure that the police would be able to track the person where they got this jewellery from and work it backwards how it was Mm. purloined from the great institution. Well, well, no
2: doubt, but it will take time. And the person who brought it on eBay, I mean... I'm not giving it back. No way. (laughs) I jest. I jest. Mm.
1: I'd wear it once, have a photo taken of it, then give it back.
2: But it reminded me because I've just finished reading um, a John Mortimer book that he wrote, sort of. Oh, a, I love
1: John Mortimer. Yeah,
2: autobiographical, and he was talking uh, murder murderers and other people I've known, something like that. Oh, okay. And he was talking about a fraud case which happened in 1980. Um, the National Portrait Gallery was persuaded that um, an unknown Victorian painter, Will it. Hettling had been discovered, their work had been discovered, and they put on an exhibition of this work. And it was of um, Victorian street urchins and um, with ragged clothing on. And one woman went to go see this, and she recognised her child as one of the, of the subjects <laughs> of the portrait. So she complained, and it turned out that it was a... F- it was a fraud um, set up by Graham Overton, and he got his friend Howard Gray to take pictures of children, and then he then pho- he photographed themselves and painted over them, and they looked they looked amazing, and they. <laughs> so the my child, an urchin, how <laughs> dare you! <laughs> so anyway, they, the the two people who had um, perpetrated this were taken to court for a fraud case in 1980, and they were found not guilty. And I think uh, oh. I think John Mortimer was was their barrister oh. or their brief or whatever. How, so, and this is
1: how great mysteries are written: art imitating life; mm. it's never the other way around. Eh? Yeah.
2: Yeah. um, I I just, I laughed and laughed about uh, that. And I thought, ooh, I'll have to write about, talk about that. I have to talk about that on the radio.
1: Well, you got it on, you got it on the wireless. Well Mm. done. And with that, I can't wait to read my new old murder mystery. Yes. Happy Mm -hmm. reading,
0: Beth. Happy reading,
1: everyone.
0: The Dunedin Athenaeum and Mechanics Institute welcomes new members. Enjoy the Athenaeum's quiet, warmly carpeted library and reading room and share in the joy of books, new and old. Visit www.dunedinathenaeum.org.nz for more information or pop into the Athenaeum library at number 24, the Octagon. The Dunedin Athenaeum and Mechanics Institute, celebrating Dunedin's rich literary heritage since 1851.